I'm, I'm excited this morning. I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. I think because we're in a series called What to Expect in 2023, and I think this is week six for me, and I think that up until this point, every sermon has been a little bit heavy, maybe a little bit could be perceived as slightly discouraging, um, but it's, you know, just looking at what's coming and how things are changing and what we see on the horizon. Um, I can't promise anything, but I think this morning is a little bit more encouraging maybe than some of the ones we've had in the past, okay? So maybe not quite quite as heavy, even though there's some elements that are. So I, I just don't, I can't say exactly which direction is going to go, but I'll say this. I meant for it to be encouraging, okay? I don't know how it's going to come out, but I intended for this sermon to be more encouraging this morning. Uh, and it is genuinely something that I see that's going to happen in the years to come. As some of these other things we've talked about happen, there's going to be another thing that's happening alongside of it in the body of Christ in a good way. So let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, excuse me, I said Matthew, but I meant Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. And in Scripture, uh, throughout the Old Testament and into the New there's this concept of a remnant, okay? And, 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 you, and so some of you may be familiar with it, some of you not. That's okay, I'm going to explain it this morning. And I used to hear about this in church all the time. I used to hear about God's remnant, you know, the remnant of God. And in my mind, for a long time, I just thought remnant meant like small group, you know, just a group, a close-knit small group of people. And it kind of does mean that, but it means more than that. If you look the word up in the dictionary, the word remnant, it means a small, remaining, a small remaining quantity of something that was once larger. So it was, it was large at one time, and then it shrunk down. And so the remnant is whatever's left. The remnant is whatever is left remaining of that large group. If you look it up in a Bible dictionary, Anchor Bible Dictionary, for example, uh, says that a remnant is what is left of a community after it undergoes a catastrophe. So as we've been talking about what's coming in 2023, we, we have talked about a lot of these sort of discouraging things about the way the nation has changed, about the way culture has changed, the way that culture has been deceived on a lot of really important topics, and then to follow the church sort of has become deceived on a, a lot of topics. There are many denominations that are not a denomination. They're in fact an abomination, because of what they've accepted and believed in the, in the sight of God. They're, they're not even part of the church at this point. They've, they are an apostate part of the church. They've abandoned truth. They've abandoned God. They've abandoned his word. And they've sided with culture. And that's left them really in an, in an apostate position rather than being a part of the fold and family of God. So as we've seen that happening... It can be discouraging because you go, well, what about us? What about a group of people that, man, we're, we're sold out for God. You know, we're not going to side with the culture. We're going to keep our hearts clean and pure. Well, good, you're in good company because there was always a group like that in the Bible. There was always a group of people. He, God called them the remnant. There's always a group of people that even though the majority were going one way, this group would stay faithful to God and, and faithful to his word. And I endeavor for that to be us. And I see that happening in 2023 and beyond, that that remnant of God is going to continue to be strengthened and solidified, solidified and galvanized together to be the true church of God. Now, it may, 
be a little bit smaller, maybe a lot smaller than it was at one time. But listen, size and numbers have never really been that important to God. And we have scriptures over and over again that tell us actually many will go down the wrong path and it's only a few that are going to go down the narrow path. So for us, is it discouraging to see some things in our culture and nation going a certain way? Yes, but, li- but we're not the first nation to abandon God and go that way. We won't be the last uh, unless Jesus comes back and wraps this whole thing up. But it's always been an issue. Um, and so what we have to endeavor is not to be swept up in the lies and the deception of the culture, but to stay faithful and true to God. And as more and more people accept lies, believe lies, go that direction, it's going to be more difficult to keep your mind right. And I'm going to just tell you, if you're a Christian that's on cruise control and and you're not pressing into God and pressing into his word, that's going to be more and more of a challenge for you because you're going to hear a lot of arguments and a lot of lies and a lot of beliefs that that come from a place of deception and they can do just that. They can deceive. And especially among Young people, especially among our kids and our, and our youth and our young adults, this becomes even more important. So the Anchor Bible Dictionary it defines the remnant as what is left of a community after it undergoes a catastrophe. Look, I don't know how low this thing is going to go in our nation. We've already gone to some lows that have shocked me. Matter of fact, I, I thought about putting some pictures up here this morning to show you some things that I've seen in this nation, but I didn't want to vomit right in front of you uh, because of the thing. There are some things out there that just make you sick that the church has done, that so-called people of God have done and accepted and believe things that are being taught and done to our children in public spaces. I mean, you can go to the, the, the Supreme Court where there used to be a statue of Moses and the Ten Commandments and now there's a, there's a statue that exalts and celebrates abortion. You know, that, that's not... So our nation has changed. It's going, it's, going to a, it's going to a new low. The question is, how low is it going to go? I don't know. I don't know how low it's going to go. I know I've given some statistics through this series that only about 25% of the nation attend church even once a month at this point. And that's, that has been cut in half from just you know, 10 to 12, 13 years ago. That's been cut in half. So we are seeing a lot of changes. What my focus is, is I don't want to get here and just go, oh, look how bad everything's getting now. You know, there's nothing we can do but just cry and pray. That's not it, right? There's a lot we can do because God never needed a big group. And, and if you look at things in the Bible like the story of Gideon, where Gideon had a large group, and, and God said, no, that's too many, cut it down. He cut it down. No, that's too many, cut it down, because he didn't need a big group. He changed the world with 12 disciples, 12 apostles. So the numbers are not, they don't matter to God, but I do think it means a lot to God when a nation, a country, the church goes through this purification process, and you, you end up with a group of people that stuck through it all, and they're faithful to God, committed to God through, through all of it, and he calls that group the remnant. And I'm expecting in 2023 and beyond that group, the remnant, to become more clear and to shine brighter than we have in the past. Well, that was supposed to be the encouraging part, but I probably should have said it with a little more like passion. You know, I can do that. I have some preach in me, but I just like to teach, okay? Um, But if you think about this group, 
what ends up happening, so here's some things that you see like patterns through Scripture about the group, this remnant. Okay, you see that this group is not under the judgment of God. They're not under the judgment of God. The judgment of God may be coming on the community that they live within, but they are not under the judgment of God. But because they live in a community that is under the judgment of God, they therefore experience indirect consequences of that judgment. And as you watch your nation go the wrong direction on some things, it may feel painful and you go, yeah, well, that's, you're experiencing the collateral damage of that even though you might be in right standing with God. So the remnant, their life changes when they live in a community that's under the judgment of God. And, and the, where we first get the idea of the remnant is in the uh, story of the children of Israel where the nation of Israel and Jerusalem were about to be ransacked by the Assyrians. And there's a group of people that have stayed faithful to God. And so Isaiah is prophesying to this remnant. He's saying, this is what your life is about to look like. These people are under the judgment of God. I know you've stayed faithful, but this is what your life is about to look like. You're about to be exiled out of your your country. That's going to affect you, right? They were going to lose their land, their homes, their property. It was going to affect them. But over and over, what he promises them is, he says, number one, I'm going to be with you. Now, at first, that might not seem like the... The, the greatest thing. I'm going to lose everything, okay, but God's going to be with me. Well, it, it might mean more than you realize when you understand what that means, that God is going to be with you. And this was his promise to them over and over again, is that no matter what you go through, I will be with you all the way through, giving you the power that you need, giving you the faith that you need, giving you the grace that you need to walk through some of these things. So just because they were not under the judgment of God, it doesn't mean that they didn't experience any uncomfortable or unpleasant consequences in their life. They had to remain faithful as their community was, was judged. Then what happens? Well, we also see that this group then eventually becomes the foundation that God uses to rebuild. So the number is whittled down to a small group. They're the remnant. And then when God gets ready to restore Israel, he starts with the remnant, and the whole thing is built out of, that, out of that group. The new nation that God had is built out of that group. Now, I'm not saying there are exact parallels to us and what we're walking through, but just you can kind of begin to see the same patterns that have happened over and over again. Think about Noah and his family. In that case, it was a very, very, very small remnant, just Noah and you know, his kids and their wives. Uh, but same thing, that remnant God used to rebirth the whole earth, really. Think about Lot and his family as they were the remnant that came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, I already mentioned the Israelites. Think about Nehemiah when the nation had been completely destroyed and Nehemiah takes a remnant back to Israel and they begin to rebuild the walls and, and re, restart what God wanted to do in that nation. And I love Elijah. I love the story of Elijah because Elijah... And, and this tells us that sometimes the remnant is, is bigger than you think it is because you can look around and be a little bit discouraged. And that was where Elijah was at. Elijah was praying to God and he said, look, I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. It's a remnant of one. It's down to me. And God said, hold on a minute. I have 7,000 that haven't bowed their knee to Baal, the, the false god Baal. And see, Elijah wasn't aware of that. He didn't know about 
all those other 7,000 that had followed God. I can tell you, there's a, there's a group of people in this country that have not forsaken their God. And I think we're looking at a group this morning. Amen? But it's not just one life. Sometimes you can feel like, you know, that, well, it's just us. You know, everybody's going to... No, listen, there are, there are a lot of people, especially globally, that have not forsaken their God. And they, they will hold true all the way to the end. You know how I know? Because we get the end of the story in the book. And when God comes back, it says he comes back for a bride that is spotless, without wrinkle. He comes back for a, a bride, the bride of Christ, and he's proud of that bride. So there's a group of people that remain strong all the way to the end, even if it is just a remnant of what it once was. So Elijah thought he was the only one, but God said, no, I have 7,000 people that haven't bowed their knee to Baal, that have held firm. In the New Testament, there were thousands that followed Christ during his ministry. Thousands that followed Christ. But when it comes to the book of Acts in the upper, upper room, there's 120 that did what he said because he gave them instructions. And he said, go back to Jerusalem and wait until the promised Holy Spirit is poured out. Well, I don't know how long that took exactly, but in the course of things, it was whittled down. It was 120, the remnant that was left. And they were there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God used them to preach and teach all over that, that area. So there's always a remnant. There's always a group of people. I think... As I look ahead to our nation, I think that we're in a process of being whittled down. You have people that were on the fence. You have people that were lukewarm. You have people that were like <clears throat> when Jesus gave the parable of the seeds that had been sown on different types of soil. You got people in those, in those areas. But bottom line, when it's all said and done, how many true believers are going to be left serving the Lord and faithful to his word? I can't answer that, but I can tell you this, I'll be one of them. And that's all you can answer is I'll be one of them. My family will be in that group. That's, that's all that you have control over. I asked you to turn to Malachi 4. Look at this. This is uh, being written to Israel, prophesied to Israel. And God said, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you, he's talking to Israel, but this applies to us now. He says, but for you who fear my name, that's the remnant, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. There are prophecies like this all throughout the Old Testament. That while the wicked are being punished, the righteous will shine. The remnant will flourish. While the wicked are being judged, the remnant will flourish. Even in the New Testament, <clears throat> we get this, and it explains it a, a little bit clearer because it's not really in prophetic terms. Second Peter 2.5, Peter said this, uh, talking about, he's explaining judgment and what the end of the world will be like. He says, if, if he did not spare the ancient world... But preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly 
Notice that, that, that what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah is an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly in the end. Think about that. Think about that. The, whole, the cities were destroyed with fire and brimstone. He says that's an example of what's going to happen in the end. Go read the book of Revelation. Verse 7, And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked... For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. You see, he's making a point that any time the judgment of God is brought on a wicked people, there's always righteous people that are in the middle of that that are going to be affected by it. But here's his point. He says, God knows how to rescue the godly while at the same time keeping the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Now, if you could talk to some of the righteous that were rescued, they would not tell you that it had no effect on their life. They would not tell you that there was just zero impact on how it affected them. If we could interview Noah and his family... And we could ask him about the hundred years that he spent building a boat and said, you know, was that inconvenient to do? Did did that change some of your plans, maybe alter your life a little bit? He would say, well, yeah, (laughs) it altered everything. I spent a hundred years, you know, building, building a boat before there was power tools, you know. And I think about that, you know, because God knew about power tools, right? He, he knew. He had to do the whole ark when there wasn't even electricity. I mean, if I was Noah and I found out about that later, I'd be like, come on, God, that... That was rough. He had to probably hand make his own tools anyway. Uh, I lost my train of thought now. But, you know, if we could ask him, he would say, yeah, it greatly inconvenienced my life. And if we could ask Lot and his family, when you had to leave Sodom and Gomorrah, middle of the night, pack up everything. You didn't even have a house anymore. All your property was destroyed under judgment. Yeah, it did. It greatly inconvenienced my life. It changed my, my life. However, God was with me. The presence of God was with me. Following God, when you follow God, you walk in His grace. You walk in a supernatural... We read that scripture in the offering this morning about how your strength will be renewed like the eagle. It doesn't mean that when He says He's going to rescue you from from the trials and, and rescue the godly while keeping the unrighteous under punishment, it doesn't mean that there's going to be zero effect on your life. It just means that you will be protected and preserved from the judgment of God. But there may be collateral things that affect your life. Now, what will this remnant look like in the last days? Because we've seen some examples from the Old Testament. But what is this last remnant that the Bible talks about? This last group, this last age of the church. And I believe we're in that. You know, I believe that we're approaching that very quickly. And uh, on the day of Pentecost, about 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And according to Scripture, that began the last days. Now, God's idea of last days is a little bit longer than ours, you know, because it's been about 2,000 years. But basically what that means is we entered into the last segment of human history. If human, if human history could be broken up, say, just say, into 10,000 years or so, and you're in the last 2,000 of that, that's the last days. And that's kind of how he explains it. 
And so on the day of Pentecost, this scripture from the book of Joel, Peter read to the congregation and he explained to them, this has begun the last days that was prophesied in the book of Joel. Now I'm going to read it straight from the book of Joel because Peter was just quoting Joel and he didn't actually read the whole passage there uh, when he quoted it. And I want to read the whole passage this morning. So Joel 2.28, remember Peter quoted this on the day of Pentecost saying, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And then he read this, verse 28. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, I believe this is specifically what Peter was talking about uh, that fulfilled that prophecy. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost upon all flesh, meaning upon all Jews, Gentiles, every race, every ethnicity. It wasn't reserved for just the Jews. Remember, up until this time... Well, it wasn't Christianity, but uh, following God was just a Jewish thing. But he said, in the last days, there's going to come a time where my spirit is poured out upon all flesh. There'll be no one who's excluded. Doesn't mean all flesh will receive the Holy Spirit, but he'll be available for every single person. There's not one that will be excluded. And that's what Peter was saying. He says, this is that that was prophesied, that in the last days, the spirit would be poured out. Upon all flesh, we're experiencing that right now. That's what you're seeing, and we're still living in that day and age. So, he, he continues. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. How many know prophecy is supernatural? The biblical word prophecy means a divine a divine inspiration, speaking by divine utterance. It could be telling the future. It doesn't always mean telling the future in Scripture, even though we associate it with that a lot, that prophecy means a foretelling of the future. It often includes that, but that's not all it is. It's just a divine utterance, saying something by and according to the Spirit of God, something that you couldn't know, something that you wouldn't have said yourself. The Holy Spirit hits you, and you, you speak by the power of God. He says, in the last days, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Pray. How many of you could use for some of your sons and daughters to prophesy? You know, Spirit of God just hit them like that. Things you've been trying to get in that, you know, thick head for a while. Just They start understanding, seeing, even speaking, talking. That'd be beautiful. Well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a promise from God that that's going to happen in the last days. That your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means they will speak according to divine utterance. You will hear things come out of their mouth that you go, that wasn't you talking, that was God. Praise God. Then, he says, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Now, if you start to have dreams, that tells you what age category you're in. Because some of you don't wonder. He didn't give an age. If you start seeing visions, well, God thinks you're young. But if you're dreaming dreams, you're old, okay? I'm sorry. That's just, I don't think that was the point of that, but it, it's still, it's there. We can, we can see it clearly in Scripture. But your old men shall dream dreams. We all dream, so it's not talking about that. It's talking about supernatural dream. It's talking about receiving a dream that's from God and, and seeing things that you couldn't have known, understanding things, being warned about things that you didn't know were going to happen. 
getting a divine communication from God. Second part, he says, your young men shall see visions. A vision is different than a dream because you're not asleep. You might just be driving your car. You might be sitting at home and just right in front of you like a movie screen comes and you just start seeing a vision. God's laying out. This is what's going to happen. You need to do this. This is how it maybe could be instruction. It could be about the future. It could be about your family. It could be just helping you understand the word of God. There's lots of things, but here's the point. In the last days, supernatural and divine communication from God is going to increase. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that because as it is right now, for many of us, this, when I talk to you and I talk to some, it's like, well, I pray, I pray, I try to hear from God. I can't hear from God. You ever felt like that? Well, I, if I just knew what God wanted me to do, I would do it. I've been praying and asking him, but I'm not hearing anything. Yeah, I'm going to say hearing from God right now takes a little bit of work. I'm going to say hearing from God right now, I may have to spend some time praying in the Spirit for days and days. I may have to fast and pray to really get that answer that I, that I need to get. The Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit is speaking all of the time. But at a large scale, I talk to a lot of Christians that seem to have a hard time hearing from God. He's talking about a day coming where that will no longer be the case. The Holy Spirit will be poured out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will be prophesying. Your old men will be dreaming dreams. Your young men will be seeing visions. And otherwise, there will be an increase in the connection that we have with heaven. There will be an increase in power. There will be an increase in supernatural gifts of the Spirit like prophecy. There will be an increase in communication, divine communication from God that may come in the form of a dream or a vision. Now, just being completely honest, I'm a little bit wary currently of people that seem to have a lot of dreams and vision because most of the time they just don't ever seem right to me. Like, well, you know, I had this buffalo in my front yard and before I know it, we're off way in left field. I'm like, that ain't from God, plus it violates scripture. I don't know if you ate pizza last night or something, but... You need to go home and pray until you hear from the Holy Spirit because that dream, it was from somewhere, but it wasn't from God. Now, I'm not saying you haven't had that. I'm just saying from my experience, being honest with you, most of the time I hear people talking about that currently, I'm, I take it with a grain of salt and I judge it, as the word says, by the word and by my spirit. However, in the last days, there's going to be an increase in this. And I think that when there's an increase in it, there'll be no doubt. That is from God. There'll be no doubt from if it's from God or not. And the prophecy, same thing. There'll be no doubt if it's from God. You know how you know? Because it happens. What you said you saw comes to pass. What you said you heard happens. If not, the Bible calls you a false prophet. And you, I don't want to tell you what they did to false prophets. It was bad. But I think today people say, oh, God told me this. God showed this. And then it don't ever happen. I'm like, okay, I marked that. All right, that's I keep that one back here in that file folder. Uh, but in that day, there's going to be an increase. And I believe it will be an increase on the remnant that's truly following God, that there's going to be an increase in divine communication. And I, for one, look forward to that. You want to know what it's going to look like? I think we see it clearly in the book of Acts. How many times did... You know, Peter have a vision, have a dream. Paul warned in a dream. Ananias warned in a dream about Paul coming. How many times do we have examples of where they're praying and it says, the Holy Spirit said. 
not like we're praying and somebody felt something. No, we heard. The Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and, Saul, uh, Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I've called them. So in the book of Acts, you see this all the time. Dreams, visions, audible voice of God happening. I believe that's reserved for this last time. We're going to have that. Another thing I see from Scripture is that as we move into that time, the, the stark contrast between light and darkness is going to become even more, uh, more solidified. The, the stark line between saved and unsaved is going to become much clearer than it is right now because of these things. It's going to be very clear when someone has the Holy Spirit, someone's walking in the anointing and grace of God. It's going to become very clear if that's happening in their life or not. And sometimes people think, well, if, if, if God is showing himself to that degree, then wouldn't everybody just follow God? Unfortunately, no. That's not, we don't ever see that in the Bible. Look, Pharaoh and the whole nation of Egypt saw the hand of God in the most undeniable way a, a group of people could ever see. They saw the ten plagues. They saw the Red Sea parting right before their eyes and still rejected God. And whatever that is in the human heart, in the human condition, is still there. Now, there will be some that will turn to God and repent, absolutely. But no, just because people see... People think that. They go, well, if God would just show himself, if God would just, a lot of people would follow him. No, they would not. Because it's not an issue. It's not a knowledge issue. It's a sin and rebellion issue. It's not a, well, if I just knew he existed. No, if you knew he existed, you'd find another reason to keep doing the same thing that you're doing. So I believe we're going to see some divine communication. I believe we're going to get clarity from what God wants and what God's instructing the, the church and us to do as individuals. There's going to be a stronger connection with heaven. Verse 29. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So this refers to that there's no classification. There's none that... Maybe we would say it this way, uh, it's not going to be just the pastors or the leaders or the super spiritual that are going to walk in this. He said, no, even on the male and female servants, meaning the lowest class, the lowest group of people, if they're a son of God and they're a daughter of God, they're going to be walking in this. It's going to be poured out on even, he says, the lowest level uh, people that we might look at and go, well, they've only been saved. I don't know. You know, I don't know if they're, how long they've even been walking with God. Or if they even know the word like I do, doesn't matter. They're in, they're in the kingdom and the God and God's spirit is going to be poured out on them. It's not going to be just through one person or a small group of people. If you're in that remnant, he said, God's going to be working in your life that way. So what, what I'm expecting is I'm expecting, because as you know, like in our church, we have a lot of good old boys. You know, we got some people that maybe they left the, they left a construction site and came to church and they're still in their, their boots and stuff. And sometimes those people don't feel very spiritual. They're like, you know, all of these people seem more spiritual than me or whatever. Uh, I just, I can't wait to see you being used by God. I can't wait to see what happens when the Holy Ghost comes on you. That, that'd be my greatest joy. See some of those guys, everybody sort of looked at like, oh, he's not that spiritual. And then all of a sudden he's prophesying. <laughs> Uh, that'd be great. I just got, hope I got my iPhone out when that happens. But. So no special qualification. No, you could be the, the lowest of the low in the kingdom of God. And he said, this is going to happen in your life too. 
Now, there was a partial fulfillment of this in the book of Acts. I think specifically the part about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. But we know that it was not a full fulfillment. And here's why. Keep reading verse 30. Connected to the same time frame. He says, and in that time, verse 30, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, it's going to be easy to be saved. (laughs) Just call on the name of the Lord. And a new birth is going to happen. A miracle. For in, the Mount, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. That sounds like a remnant to me. But notice the supernatural part of it too. He says in that time frame when this is really being fulfilled and this is really happening, there's also going to be supernatural signs in the heavens, in the stars, with the sun, the moon. This specific phrase that I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, meaning in, in, the, in the atmosphere, in the heavenlies, and on the planet earth. Blood and fire, columns of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. That specific phrase is found several times throughout the Bible. And if you take all of them and you put them all together because... Uh, Each passage has a little bit more information than the other one, a little bit different focus than the other one. If you take all of them and put them together, the clearest one is in the book of Revelation where John saw it happen. And it was connected with a mighty earthquake. And that things were released from the ground when when this happens. Um, Some have talked about blood moons and things like that, trying to predict the future. Look, when you read it from Scripture, there's nothing that's happened on the earth yet that's talking about this. There's, there's nothing yet on the earth that has happened that this is talking about. This is a different thing. And it's not going to be something small. Okay, It's not going to be, oh, the moon is slightly different color. That, that's not what we're talking about. He says there will be wonders in the heavens and on the earth. When this is talked about in Revelation, it's connected with the sky rolling back like a scroll. And people seeing the face of Jesus... In the, in the heavenlies and hiding their faces under rocks because they're terrified by the Lamb of God. So this is not, you won't have to question if this has happened. Like you won't have to have charts and dates and moving things around. And try, like the whole world will be looking and, and seeing this happen. It will be a sign and a wonder like the earth has never seen. And when that happens, you can, you can believe we're at, the, we're at the very end. We're at the very end. So this is connected to what was prophesied in Joel about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that remnant of God. And what I'm expecting in 2023 and beyond is I'm expecting to see that remnant come together and be stronger and stronger, more solidified, more galvanized together, more in love with each other and God, serving one another, praying together, worshiping together, Moving the gospel forward together, I'm expecting that remnant to be more and more like that as the days approach. This is why uh, the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of one another together as we see that day approaches because we're going to need one another. Let me give you one more scripture. I don't think we're going to get through the whole sermon this morning, but uh, I've got another one I want to add to. Daniel chapter 12, 
verse 1. Daniel also prophesied about this time of the end. And you're going to see some of the uh, similarities that we've already read from other places. Uh, Daniel chapter 12. This is what Daniel saw. At that time, and he's been talking about the end time, the very, very, very end of days. uh, God had told him that this is the time he was talking about. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. That's talking about Michael the archangel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. Now this sounds a lot like what Jesus was talking about in in the book of Matthew where he said there's going to be a great tribulation that comes on the earth. And he said there there has never been a time like it. And there will never be a time after it that will be as difficult as this last period on the earth. The Bible calls it the Great Tribulation. And and we get from other places that it's seven years. So this is what Daniel's looking at. He's seeing this in a a vision. God tells him, there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation until that time. But at that time, in in other words, in the middle of that most difficult, troublesome time, but at that time your people shall be delivered, talking about Israel, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise, look at this, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. In other words, there's going to be a group of people in this time that shine bright in the middle of the darkness. And not only are they going to shine bright, but he says they're going to turn many to righteousness. They're going to lead many to Christ. So in the time of darkness that we're talking about experiencing on this earth, whether it be the very last times that Daniel's talking about or just the times of difficulty that we're walking in, This is always what you see. There's a remnant and a group of people that shine bright in the middle of that that God uses to bring and turn people to righteousness. It's a beautiful thing. What you have to decide, what we have to decide is, are we going to be part of that group and participate in this? Are we going to just sit on the sidelines, lukewarm, uncaring, don't care that the world's falling apart, don't care that the world's crumbling, at least I got my, my family together. Well... Yeah, but God wants to use the church to be a light in the darkness. God wants to use the church to to bring in a harvest of souls for the end time before this whole thing gets wrapped up. And I think when that happens, uh, as that begins to happen, we're going to need every hand on deck. You know why? Because we've already lost quite a few. (laughs) And so we're going to need those that remain and are faithful to God to be on the team Not just as bench warmers, but working and sowing and giving their involvement into the kingdom of God. In whatever capacity that is. Each one may look different. So he says, they will shine bright like the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars of heaven. Now notice verse 4. This is interesting. He says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. This last statement sort of just blows my mind because 
Daniel, what, what would Daniel have been thinking this statement meant? He, he's given him a clue of what will be happening on the earth when all of this is being fulfilled. And he said there's two things. One, he said people will run to and fro. What in the world did Daniel think that meant? There's going to be, like people are literally going to be just running a lot? What, this makes no sense. But with the invention of airplanes... All of a sudden, it makes sense. People will run to and fro across the whole face of the earth quickly, one place to the other. You could, be, you could be from here anywhere in the world within 24 hours, just like that. You could, you could be in China, and tomorrow morning, you could be back here. And I, and I think this is specifically what he's, what he's talking about. I, and last I heard, they're developing rockets to do the same thing, to cut that, cut that time even more in half. So he said, yeah, at the time of the end, many shall run to and fro across the face of the whole, whole earth, and knowledge shall increase. Knowledge shall increase. And that just reminds me of the internet. All of a sudden, we have every little thing is at your fingertips. Well, who was the president here? How many, you know, what's this math equation? There's nothing you can't Google and get the answer to. Now we're coming out with, you know, AI chatbots that can write papers for you and stuff and, and just answer any question. Somebody showed me uh, one of those recently, and I said, oh, we're going to just see how smart this thing is. You know, I said, I'm going to ask, because I figured it would be pretty good at math. So I was, I was driving down the road at the time, but I was talking. I, was, I used a microphone. I wasn't texting. I was talking to text, okay? And so I asked it the question. I said, well, if I had 20 miles to go, and I was driving 70 miles an hour, but I decreased my speed by one mile per hour every minute, how long would it take me to get to my destination? And it just, it just gave me the whole calculation. I was like, wow, that's okay. You're pretty smart. I got to give it to you. But the Bible says this, that in the last days when these times are happening, there will be people moving to and fro across the whole earth and that knowledge shall increase. I don't know if it's going to be more than what we're seeing now, but we're definitely seeing it now. We're definitely seeing that, that happen. And it's probably only going to increase. And God gave that to Daniel as a sign of what to expect in the end times. Now, what I want to close with this morning is what kind of Christian will make up this remnant? Okay, what, what kind of Christian will watch the numbers dwindle and yet they remain faithful and they stay in this remnant. I'm going to keep it so simple for you because there's not some great formula. It's so incredibly simple. And we open the series with this scripture, and I'm going to read it again, Matthew 7, 24. Listen what Jesus said. Everyone, everybody say everyone. Okay, that, you want to know how to be part. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. There is a two-fold process that leads to thriving and flourishing in times of difficulty. Number one, hearing and receiving instruction from the Word of God, but it can't stop there. It's following and obeying that instruction. Now, I know how many times you've heard this. Okay, I got to hear the Word. I got to obey it. Yeah, but so many will hear and not obey. So many will hear and not make a single change in their life. And that's the only difference. It's the only difference between those who will be in the remnant and who will not. Jesus 
went on to continue. Verse 25, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. In other words, times of difficulty, difficult times. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, so they've got 50% the same as the other group. Both groups heard the word. There was only one thing that separated them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. There will be only one thing that separates in the end times. There will only be one thing that separates the group of people that follow God and the group of people that fall away. And it will be what they did with the word that they heard. And I can't, I, I wish as a pastor, I come up with creative ways, I think, plan, pray about how to get this in people, how, how to get more people to hear the word and actually obey it. But what I have, what I have found is, is that I'm, I'm, I'm running out of ways to do that, and I need the Holy Spirit to get involved and, and help you and open eyes to see, because there's still a large group of people that hear the word and don't do a thing with it. And I'm telling you, that will be the saddest day. The saddest day. The Bible says there will be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth on that day when people realize that they heard the word and they didn't do anything with it. And I'm doing everything that I can to make sure that this church is full of people that both hear and obey the word of God. Because hearing's not enough. You can come to church every Sunday... You could hear, 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 and sit and do nothing. It's not going to do you anything. Matter of fact, the Bible says that's more dangerous. The Bible tells us it's more dangerous to hear the word over and over, hear the word, hear the word, and never do. He said, because you're deceiving yourself, and you're becoming numb, and you're becoming inoculated to the word. And so to hear it over and over and never do anything with it, your heart actually gets hard along the way. So what we have to do is we have to hear and obey the word. What does obeying the word look like? It usually looks like making a plan. In other words, you leave here and tomorrow morning in your prayer time, in your devotional time that I believe everybody's setting aside in the morning, early on Monday morning. I'm just going to, I preach too much on it to think that we got a church full of people that still don't pray. So I'm just going to believe and assume that tomorrow morning, everybody is getting up, they're going to have their Bible, their coffee, they're going to sit alone with God. And what does it look like? Taking the word of God and going, okay, how do I need to change? How do I need to apply this in my life? What do I need to do to get ready? That's what hearing and obeying looks like. It doesn't matter how much you hear, and it doesn't matter how much you know. You might could quote it. You might could quote it from cover to cover. The Pharisees could. It doesn't matter how much you can quote or how much you know. It's how much you do that matters, that makes the difference. So you want to know who's going to be in that remnant? It's so simple. Jesus said everybody who hears and obeys, they're building a strong foundation that will withstand anything. But if you have those that they hear and they don't live it, and they, and they, they, just, they just hear but they don't obey, you're building your foundation on the sand, and it's going to be those times of difficulty that reveal what your foundation was. Because if you look out here today, it may look like everybody has a solid foundation. He said, but it's the, the rain and the wind that reveals what your foundation actually was. And I'm telling you, we're seeing that in our nation. If I go back 12 years ago and go, well, 
there's 50%, we've lost 50% that we're following after God from where we were. Yeah, that's because times have incre- difficulty has increased in this nation. Deception, sin has increased, and we've seen a lot of people fall away. Why? Because their house was built on the sand. And anybody that's remained, anybody that's still hanging around, that tells me something about your foundation. And so what we do is we continue to shore up that foundation through hearing the word and obeying the word, holding fast to the words of Jesus. Amen. 